0: I'm so happy to see you all today. It's wonderful to have you here. And on our very first Mindset for Missions, we get to send out a brand new missionary couple. And we are so excited for them. Um, Actually, I don't know if you remember Jen Videra and her husband Ruben. Jen has been here every week. For the last year, or maybe last two years, she's attended Mindset, so you might remember her and her husband, Ruben, came and spoke to us. I don't know if you remember him, but anyway, it was a blessing. (laughs) He did an excellent job, and it was a real blessing. You remember that, I'm sure. But uh, it's my pleasure to introduce them to you, and um, they're going to come. Maybe just Ruben and um, Jen, if you want to ask her a question later, you can do that. But she has their first child with her, Oliver, and she's expecting another baby. <laughs> so they're already um, fruitful. So. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. So um, this is Ruben Videra and he's on his way to Spain. Ruben do you want to come and tell us about yourself?
1: Well thank you so much. How are you? Yeah. Um, I hope you, I mean it's always such a tricky question like if you remember somebody because either like I didn't, you know, impact you at all and you forget everything. <laughs> or actually it was so terrible that you couldn't forget anything. <laughs> so, but we'll see. But anyway, um, I hope you guys, you get to enjoy your food. Thank you so much for being here and uh, just giving us the opportunity to, to share a little bit about the ministry in Spain. And what uh, the Lord is doing there and uh, a little bit about, about us. Let me set this up. Whoops. Well, I just want to start by sharing a little bit um, about myself so that you guys get to know um, what the Lord has been doing in my life and then my family. And then from there, we'll move on to, to Spain and talk about what the need is there uh, and then what we'll be doing in Spain. But I'm Ruben Bidera. I'm 33 years old, and the Lord graciously saved me when I was 23 years old uh, at, a, at a time in my life when I truly uh, despised him. Um, I, I was not seeking him but he in his grace just like rescued me out of like a really extremely extremely uh sinful life so I'm just so thankful for his grace. Um and since uh, the Lord saved me he just uh, gave me this, this desire to to study the word of God more and more and and in that and in his providence that first took me to the states to South Carolina. Um I went to a really small Bible school in South Carolina uh, called EIG, Evangelical Institute of Greenville, where I studied biblical studies there for two years from 2005 to 2007. And then after I finished my education there, I went back to Spain and I went to do full-time ministry. I was a preacher, so I was just preaching at my home church and other churches in my hometown. And just uh, the Lord is allowed me to do that ministry, which has always been my passion. So I'm so thankful for that. But as, as I was preaching more and more I realized that I needed more training because uh, I understood I began to understand the seriousness of preaching and how careful we need to be with exegesis and how we truly can say, I mean we need to make sure that we can say this is what the Lord has said. And as I was studying more and more the scripture, I realized like man I, <laughs> I just, these two years in South Carolina that having a Great blessing, but it's not enough. So in that, and through a lot of different circumstances, um, the Lord just um, um, brought me to the States again, to California to study, study at the Master's Seminary. And uh, I wish I had uh, uh, enough time to tell all the details, but I, I just I'm gonna say that I was in a miraculous way. Uh, he provided all the funds, the visa, and everything that I needed to just in a few months to be here in order to start in 2008. Um, So I completed my MDF in uh, December 2011 and this year I just finished my THM degree at TMS and it's been a joy, a blessing, and it truly, yeah, hard at times. (laughs) Uh, You know all that, you all know that, but it truly has been a blessing. Uh, Meanwhile, as I was studying, I met my wonderful wife. Uh, We actually went together for the first time to, um, to Spain in a STM. And when we met, she told me, because, you know, we all signed out, signed out for the group, and we're going to go to Spain, and she, she just came to me like, oh, I'm going to go to Spain with you, meaning for that STM. She just didn't know that she just gave a prophecy. <laughs> and uh, and that she truly is coming to Spain with me. And uh, it truly has been a joy um, meeting my wife and marrying her. And uh, it, it, as Peter said, marriage is the greatest of life. Especially when you marry somebody like Jen, <laughs> so I'm extremely thankful for her. I always say, but it's true, that in God's grace, He opened my eyes so that I could see her, and closed hers so that she couldn't see me. <laughs> and still, she's blind and deaf, but that's good for me. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. And, uh, uh, and as you. Just met him. The Lord bless us with a beautiful child, um, Oliver, and now she's just uh, pregnant again. So we're praying for this pregnancy, and that uh, the Lord will be gracious to just uh, bring him outside of the womb, <laughs> that we'll be able to see his face, and in, in the end, that, that the Lord only if He wants that he will save our children, and they could be a blessing for His church, which is our desire. So it's been it's been uh, these years here at California for me. They've been just. Um, great, great times. Um, I, uh, I was involved. I'm still, well, I'm about to leave, so I guess I, I can say I was involved <laughs> at the Spanish ministry, uh, serving there and teaching a Bible study and co-teaching Sunday school class together with Josiah Gramman and another guy, Ever Torres. And then I was working um, um, for IDEX. So, uh, which has been a privilege and it was uh, quite a learning experience and uh, my wife and I were so thankful for their grace towards us in just providing us with the means so that I could provide for my family and and to do something that, uh, last time when I was here I, I actually came to share about IDEX and it's hard for us to realize because we're just here in our office doing our stuff. But then when you put all the numbers together and you see all the, 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 the different countries that are, are represented in our uh, student body, just God's grace that uh, that ministry just uh, as as little as we do and we can do, it is impacting uh, people outside the United States. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's again, another reminder of God's grace. In the end, ministry is just God's grace. Uh, we don't deserve to be saved, and we do not deserve to serve him and his church. But in his grace, he calls us to do it. So we're just excited. And... But that's pretty much it about us a little bit. Um, if you guys have some questions later, you could ask, and I happily would try to answer them. But let me share a little bit about Spain. And I'm pretty sure you guys, you, you heard some presentations about Spain. So I, I want to do it from a different perspective something that uh, some numbers that maybe you never you've never seen before Uh, these numbers are from La Ferede. La Ferede is an organization an uh, official organization that represents evangelical churches before the government. So these are the most updated numbers so according to La Ferede right now in Spain we have 2,358 churches, evangelical churches but this term evangelical is used in the most broad sense. So that you have an idea Adventist churches are part of this group. And they are not within evangelical orthodoxy. They they teach a false gospel. So in that sense, uh, some churches that are here shouldn't be in this list. You also have um, some extremely extreme charismatic churches and Pentecostal churches. But nonetheless, that's the way they use it. They create this list and they tell you that right now in, in Spain, there are 2,300 churches. I just think, okay, that's, that's like a decent number. But w- once you realize that the population is around 47 million people, that means that there is one evangelical church every 19,000 people. 19,000 people and one evangelical church. And again, not all of them are conservative churches. So if you just bring the number uh, lower and just, just try to get rid of some churches that you already know from the get-go that are not evangelical churches. Then you get with, uh, non-cons- with conservative churches, uh, and that's the number, 854 conservative churches in Spain uh, at this point, which means that there is one conservative church in Spain for every 55,000 people, 55,000 people on one church. To put it in perspective, when you compare that with the states, just the percentages, right now in the states, the population is more or less 250 million. And there are around 300,000 evangelical churches. And again, including everything, like the Ferede, the Spanish organization does. There are charismatic churches in that group, any kind of quote unquote evangelical church. But with those numbers, that means that there is one evangelical church in the United States for every 720 people. So you have one church for every hundred seven, 720 people and then one non-conservative church in Spain for every 19,000 people. And if you limit that to conservative churches, one for every 55,000 people. There are over 120 counties without a church. So, uh, that portrays the reality of that country, I think, really well, that the need is huge. And when you you hear those numbers, you think, man, we need to go to Spain and share the gospel and start new churches, which we do. But there is, we think, a greater need in Spain right now, because the little, the few churches that we have there are so immature. And there are good churches, there are godly people, please don't get me wrong. Uh, the Lord is also working there, and we have the confidence that whatever He has begun in us, in His church, He will complete it and finish it in the day of Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but even in that, the, the state of maturity is not as we all would like to, you know, it would be. Um, as an example, I was uh, told the story that uh, it happened to me with uh, before I came to to California. I was serving in. Uh, with a gospel choir, we had a gospel choir that uh, it was um, it was made up of seven different churches from my hometown, so we were accountable to the elders of these seven, ch- these seven different churches. And the idea was just to uh, you know use that as a means to share the gospel. So after one concert, the auditorium was packed. We had a, it was like 500 people. After that concert, I just went up and shared the gospel, a 15-minute presentation, something brief as clear as, as I could do it. Uh, and then the day after, we met with the elders for a, a brief um, briefing. Um, and one of the elders from this, one of these local churches was so mad at the fact that we preached the gospel. He, he was like, I just can't believe you guys did it. I was like, I thought this was the whole purpose of this choir. Well, the gospel, it is in the lyrics well, excuse me, but the lyrics are in English, and these people speak Spanish. <laughs> it's like, well, but you send home, you send them home with a doubt. They hear the name of Jesus, and they think, you know, that makes them think. So that's what you want to do. You want to send people home with doubts and not with a clear answer of the gospel. And, and this is just one church that illustrates the situation in that country. And this man is still an elder of this church. Uh, I know of, of churches that have replaced the pulpit, the, the, the ministry of preaching, for video forums or for social therapy. There is one church that every Sunday night they meet to have therapy, and a group therapy, which is uh, it is an insult to the Church of Christ, and that that's not a church anymore; it's a social group. Um, so the the whole thing about preaching and all of that is is almost like. A lot of believers uh, will tell you, because they have believed the lies that society tells them, that we don't need preaching anymore. We don't need the sufficiency of the scriptures, the centrality of the Bible that portrays Christ as the only sufficient Savior and the one who sanctifies us, and we complete the work that began in us. So that, that leads them to just abandon the ministry of preaching and replace that for lame, lame things. But also that is, 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 is joined together with, with sad realities as like the pastors are so busy. They have to work full time. They have to uh, support their family. And so when Sunday comes, they don't have a sermon. And not because they just don't want to preach. They just didn't have time. And they don't know how to study the scripture. And so what do they do? They just come up to the pulpit and tell stories. And that creates a vicious circle um, cycle. Sorry that eventually people are like, why do we need preaching? Because, you know, why do I need to come to church to hear a guy telling me stories? I can't read that in the news. I just don't need to. So let's do something that attracts the people. Our churches are dying out because people are not coming in because we do this kind of preaching. So let's do a play or let's do something else. Um, And eventually the true believers, they don't grow up. They don't grow. They don't mature. Because, I mean, John 17, 17 is all clear. It's it's that we are sanctified through the truth of of God, which is his word. So we need to hear the word of God. We need to hear the preaching. And we need not just to hear the Bible, but to be explained. The Bible has to be explained according to the original meaning given to the original audience. Otherwise, you don't have the word of God. You may have something else, but for you to carry a Bible in Chinese is not going to mature you because you don't understand what you're reading. The same happens in English or in Spanish. If you don't understand that which you are reading, you don't have the Word of God. So it needs to be explained properly, which is something that uh, we are so thankful that happens so well at this church by God's kind grace. And that's what we want to do. We want to go back to Spain and join the team there, and we want to train pastors to uh, be able to explain the text, to exegete the text according to the original meaning, to um so that they go to their churches and preach the Word of God. And then we let God mature His people. And the result of that, when people are matured, is what? They go out and share the gospel. And the churches grow and new churches are planted. And, and hopefully the whole nation is changed, which is our dream. We, we um, understand that we have to be faithful, faithful with whatever the Lord allows us to do. Uh, So we may not see the fruit, hopefully we do, Uh, but regardless our impact is just our family, one church, or the entire nation, Uh, we just need to be faithful doing what we are doing. So for that, um, the project um, that uh, we'll be doing, and uh, I'll show you later who are the we, uh, but you know them already, the Pedals and David Robles. but it's, it's like um, through the Evangelical Church in Leon uh, to start this seminary, which is called Berea or Berea. Um, they, Gus Pidal and David Robles, they've been working in Spain already for a few years and just working with a small group of guys that have, been responded, have responded greatly to the teaching. They have matured in a way that, uh, I've, I've known some of those guys personally before they started this training. And they were all about psychology and how you need you know, social, Wisdom to uh, somehow overcome your family uh, problems your all your personal issues and now last time I was there in September teaching a class on the relevancy of biblical languages. I just could not believe that these guys were all against psychology. <laughs> the change was huge and it's a change you see in their families uh, and things like one of those guys he um, he was all about like, um, non-profit organizations. All the money he gave away was for non-profit organizations, but not for the church. But even in things like, now he's given like, generously to the church, and he actually is one of our supporters too. Um, you see that the maturity, because generosity comes with maturity. And you see how he's growing, how he's responding. And all his wives, they, they would tell you how their husbands are different men because they've been confronted to the reality of the scripture. Uh, which is is just uh, by God's grace. So now the time has come to make this official. <laughs> so uh, officially, the seminar is going to start in November um, with the same group of guys, and more guys that are coming. And because um, we are only three uh, for now, hopefully, will be more in the future. <laughs> uh, the The group is limited. So we have accepted only fifteen because we're going to give the the best education that we, we we can with the resources that we have. Um, so that means there's a waiting list. Uh, the people are responding. They want to be trained, which is, uh, it is something unique. Um, for that, uh, the, the church in Lyon has, has been blessed by God's grace, how the government has given them a land, free land, to build a building, which um, that's, that's, those pictures are, you know, it's not done yet, <laughs> but it's what they're doing. And the seminar is going to be, the classes are going to be held in this building. Uh, because we want to um, uh, show these guys, what, uh, uh, as, as, as much as we can, what a godly church looks like and what godly leadership looks like, so that they can go back to their churches and, and reduplicate that kind of leadership and preaching. And that has to happen in the context of the local church. The local church trains the leaders. Seminary only equips them, and that's what we want to do, give them the, equip them, but train them in the context of the local church. And the we is these this, this families that uh, I'm pretty sure you know, most of you, you know them. Gus Pidal, uh, who was with me in class <laughs> when I first came to seminary, so uh, he's a really good friend. And David Robles too, another Spaniard that came to TMS in 2000 and left, uh, went back in 2004. Um, so it truly is a privilege for us to go back and serve with these men. We love them. Uh, we share the same um, philosophy of ministry the same mindset, we have the same um, goal, um, and we just want to see the, the name of Christ exalted in Spain, because the need is huge, and, and we don't know what the Lord is going to do. We truly don't know. But from a human perspective, when we look at our country right now, we, we just realize that we are part of a historical moment. This has never happened before. Um, not only things like, you know, you get free land to build an evangel- evangelical church, but having guys that are, have been trained in theology, have been trained in, in the Bible, in exegesis, in the languages. And now you have a group of three. There's another guy that is here at TMS. He's about to finish his THM in uh, probably a year, year and a half more. He's going to go back to Spain and help with his ministry too. There's another guy from Spain that just came. This, this is his first semester too. So that makes, us, makes five of us. We hopefully, we're hoping that we, have, we can send more in the future and that we get to the point where we actually don't need to send anybody else. We can train them in Spain. And that's where we're going to get. But it's something that hasn't happened before. So we don't know. We don't know what, it, what the Lord is going to do. We just know that we have to be faithful. But we are just so thankful that we are part of this historical time for Spain. And if the Lord wants to use us, us to change that country, Praise be his name. If he doesn't use that to change the country, but just Leon, praise be his name too. So we um, He's covered your prayers. And uh, as I was saying before, uh, ministry is just uh, by God's grace. And we are called to an impossible task. I can't grow you. <laughs> and I can't save people. Only God does that. Uh, but in his grace, he allows us to be those tools to just uh, use us for the growth of his church, which is a privilege. But we need uh, the people of God just praying for us. And, and I just want, um, I mean, I hope it's clear that my heart is for Spain, but I, I just want a little piece of your heart also to be for Spain and so that you are involved in, in that ministry and praying, for, praying and just keeping us in your, in, in your mind and just uh, that somehow the Lord would actually do a work that we much want to see in that country. So thank you so much. Um, I don't know if you guys have any question. Yeah. Can the other guys that you can not take in, can, can they get trained through the
0: ministry, the, the online ministry yeah. that's
1: going on? There are actually, um, I think right now, um, two. There are two Spaniards that are being uh, trained through IDEX. And there is one of them, uh, well, the third one, he he's the guy that actually came this semester to to study at TMS. So, uh, but uh, the, the goal is to have um, on-campus education in the context of the local church. So um, online education is great. That allows us to reach places that we never thought of, you know, doing that. But uh, it, it still has its limitations. So as, as um, right now is what it works and we're thankful for that opportunity. But uh, when it comes to training pastors and and even at IDEX, we see that how it, it really helps when the guys are here. Um, so we're gonna get to the point where the guys don't have to or either leave the country or do it online. So. Uh, where do you get the most uh, from like uh, the most persecution from? America? Most people when it comes to Spain. Um, Everybody's going to tell you that Spain is a Catholic country. And it's true, there are nominal Catholics. But there are not um, Catholics that practice their religion. So Spain has changed uh, to the point that now it's a secular country, which means that the, 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 probably the toughest quote-unquote persecution, because we're not being persecuted, we're just given hard times, um, it comes through a secular generation. So my generation has been trained outside of the context of religion. So anything that is religious is almost evil. So all the attacks come towards that and uh, uh, from, from them. And it's all because of the, the whole issue with postmodernism, relativism, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, which they never live like that. You know, when you, tell, you find a relativist, like, oh, well, that's what you believe, so it's fine with you, this is what I believe. And then you told the guy, well, then I'm gonna just go and kill your son. It's like, no, you can't do that. Why not, it's what I believe. So that makes me happy. So who are you to judge me? So at a practical level, no relativist lives like such. And yet they claim to be one. Um, and it's just uh, it's the, the hardest uh, times will come from that kind of context. Yeah. out there that there wasn't anything said Catholic, yeah. and, and yet it's considered a Catholic country. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's because the, um, the churches that I had in that list are uh, churches that are, let me go back, are within the, the tag of evangelical churches. So Catholic, the Catholic movement is not part of what we know now as the evangelical movement. So that's why you don't have Catholic churches, because in the end, the gospel there is like, not preached. The Paul is so clear, Romans eleven six, when it says, like, if it's by grace, it cannot be by works, because if it's by works, then it's not by grace. And if it's by grace, it cannot be by works, and vice versa, and keeps just expanding that idea. And that's what the Catholic church teaches. They don't teach that salvation only by works. They, they teach it by grace and works, which makes that a terrible distortion of the gospel, which is even more deceitful and more dangerous. Uh, so they are not within orthodoxy. We're not part of the evangelical movement. They have a false gospel. And even though in the past, our history was common up to the fourth century, now they they cannot be called our brethren in Christ, because they are not. They
0: still have
1: to have Yeah, they do have to. People usually just go there for like weddings, uh, you know, it's like family events. And only the older generation, like my grandma, would go uh, every Sunday. Uh, yeah, but that's it. Yeah, this the Islamic movement. Uh, this um, it's growing. It's growing, but not only in Europe. It's all Europe. I'm sorry, not only in Spain, all Europe. Uh, so we'll see what happens with them. But right now, our concern is to just uh, help the churches, the true churches, to grow. And for that, we need to train pastors. And, and the Word of God has to be exalted. It's through that which we know Christ. Um, so they need to know how to explain the text. Yeah? Yeah, there are some. The thing is, radio in Spain is such a... It's, it's still as big, but it's not as big as it used to be. Because now with the Internet and all the, the, the media, it's not... a. It's not that common uh, to people just uh, sit down to listen to the radio. Uh, even when, they are dri- when they're driving out with their iPhones, they have their own music. and uh, So it's, it's just, uh, sadly, sadly, uh, radio is it's, it's still as big, but it's not having that huge impact as it used to have before. Um, so not, he's uh, listened in Spain, but not a lot. And, uh, and again, I, I go back to the same thing. All that is great. And any extra help that we can get, we welcome that. But in the end, it's in the context of the local church that we need to train those guys, like face-to-face. Um, so, But on top of that, if they can listen sermons, that's fine. So I think this is the last question. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time and your patience. So um, I guess... Okay.
2: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josiah Grauman and as Ruben mentioned, uh, I have had the privilege over the last number of years to to minister alongside uh, with Ruben in Spanish ministry and also the great blessing uh, over the last two years uh, to work alongside Ruben in our Spanish Institute. And um, I trust that you all understand it when I say this, uh, this is a bittersweet moment for me personally. Um, It's obviously sweet as I think of them and the exciting opportunity to go to Spain. It's obviously sweet as I think of what the Lord's gonna do through them in Spain. It's also hard. He has been such a blessing to uh, me personally, to our ministry. Um, The Lord has gifted him in extraordinary ways. Um, I pray for him almost every day because I send him an email basically every day. Uh, So he's gonna look forward to not receiving every one of those. (laughs) Uh, in the future. But um, over the last two years, I've, I've thrown everything at him. Th- there's nothing this man uh, has been incapable of doing or learning very quickly, uh, whether it has to do with computers and online programs, whether it has to do with teaching a class when I'm sick, whatever it is, uh, he's done it. And... and very oftentimes better than I do, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. We're not trying to figure out how to replace him. We're trying to figure out how many people it's going to take uh, to replace him, um, and uh, that's the challenge of these last couple of weeks is trying to figure out how uh, we're going to get everything done that, that he's been doing, and, and certainly in the past uh, few days uh, just made me appreciate more uh, the amount of work that you've done, thank you, thank you. Because um, you just you get thrown the list of like everything he does every week, <laughs> it's like, okay, how does he do it? How am I going to do it? <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> uh, this morning, found myself praying for you guys from Philippians one. I I know Kevin's going to come up and pray for you, but I thought I'd just read this, um, which is Paul prayer, Paul's prayer for the. Philippians, and I I trust um, that it would be instructive for me and for all of you ladies so I know when to continue to pray for him, pray for his ministry, pray that the Lord would use him mightily there. Paul writes, Philippians 1.9, and this I pray, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Starts there at the end. Everything's for the praise and the glory of God. But the prayer is that specifically God would be glorified and God would be praised through the abounding of your love for the saints. Uh, obviously this sacrificial love of attending to and ministering to the saints there that we wish we could, we see the need, we just heard the need, we wish we could be there. The Lord sending Ruben to, to do that work. But it's not an ignorant love, it's an informed love. Paul prays that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Uh, in other words, if if love is, you know, not serving yourself and your own needs, but Seeking after the interests of others. Well, you need to know the interests of others. You need to be informed as to how to best love them and be discerning in in doing what's what's best for them. And I pray that um, you know your your, your people better than I do, but I just pray that the Lord would give you great wisdom and great knowledge in knowing how to love Spain, how to love unbelievers, how to love believers for the praise and glory of, of his name. Um, and that through that you may approve and practice the things that are excellent, and I, and I trust that the, the Lord's going to do that. Um, and I love that word that he used there, the things that are excellent. You know, It's not doing things that are great, it's excellent. It's not things that are good, it's things that are best. Um, you are one of the most gifted individuals I, I've ever met in just every area, and I, I just pray that the Lord uh, uses all of those things, that he, that he keeps you, Uh, humble and dependent on him. It just uses you in a mighty way, filling you with the fruits of righteousness, and that uh, Spain would uh, abound to the praise and glory of God through the work that he does through you there. We love you, and we will miss you. We will be in contact, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you,
3: Josiah. Well, now to uh, conclude this portion of our time, but we still have one more thing to do here, as you can see, hanging to my right. But, uh, but uh, you know, that uh, those verses that Josiah read were written in the context of Paul explaining why he had been put in prison and how God had even used that for the furtherance of the gospel. So don't expect everything <laughs> to go perfectly. Um, and, but you can be assured of our prayers that uh, the Lord will use even, even imprisonment. We hope it doesn't come to that, but uh, it could, you know, it could. But we pray that the Lord will bless you and, and give you fruitful ministry there. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for Ruben and Jen and just, as Josiah has reminded us, their faithful ministry here and and, and uh, seeing your hand of uh, selecting him for this special task and equipping him in a, in a special way while he's been here, Lord, to be the one to go and, and help uh, David and Gus to really um, fulfill their dreams of seeing the training blossom there into a full blown training of expository preachers, Lord. We know this is your will. We know that you want churches to be planted. And we saw the need for those clearly today, Lord. More churches in Spain needed. But without preachers, how will people hear? So we. Pray your blessing on on uh, Ruben. Ruben and Jen as they go. Lord, uh, guide them, strengthen them, support them. And Lord, may we here uh, do the same in su- supporting them, undergirding them with our prayers. Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in everything they do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.